A coffee in the accursed mountains. The people that come for the first time in, in, in Kosovo, they have no idea what happened here or what kind of history we have. Uh, so that's why even though we were, uh, still we are young ethnologists, uh, we had to do our own uh, narrative. So this makes very special place because uh, uh, compared to other museums, uh, I think we somehow we brought a new approach. Hello, I'm Rob Wilton. And I'm Elizabeth Gowing. And this is the second of our podcasts exploring the culture of Kosovo and Albania and Montenegro, the countries that surround the accursed mountains. And the story that we're going to get to hear today is of one of the first people that we met when we moved to Kosovo 15 years ago, Bekim, who works at the wonderful Ethnological Museum in Pristina. It's one of our very favourite places in Kosovo, and it's also a place of real significance uh, for Kosovars. We've walked through these winding and kind of unprepossessing back streets right in the centre of Pristina. And then in the middle of all that, we've come to this long, low, white wall. And we've gone through these two huge gates, a pair of wooden gates, big, thick wooden gates, maybe two metres high or three metres high. And we found ourselves in this kind of oasis in the middle of the city, uh, a grass courtyard full of trees and two rather beautiful buildings. This is part of the Ethnological Museum of Pristina, which is the only a traditional complex left in, uh, in in Pristina. So we are quite lucky that this uh, complex was preserved and not destroyed during the, um, through the centuries, because this is from the 18th and 19th century, especially in the last war of 1998-1999. So um, uh, we are quite lucky as a museum staff, firstly, and also as a society. The space that we are right now is um, the... Uh, uh, guest room, which is, uh, uh, it was a main room in uh, traditional Albanian uh, houses, which we call Oda. It's a, it's a very special room. It's a very beautiful room. It's a relatively large room, mostly carved in the most beautiful wood. And all around us on the walls are very plain white plaster. Uh, different things are, are hanging up. And I see uh, some beautiful cloths hanging up. And I see a kind of, is that a musical instrument hanging up? That is a, a, a lauta, with double lauta, not lute. So kind of mandolin, kind of guitar. It has 10 strings and uh, it is used only by rich families. One of the, as you know, in countryside, we use more chiftili, which is two strings. The family who owned this complex was called Emijiko family. And they were one of the richest family in Pristina and in Kosovo. And basically, they uh, um, had a lot of money, so they could even uh, ask people to come and to carve all this uh, wood, which is here, decorated, which is a bit unusual compared to other other families that were living in Pristina. Uh, While well, the exhibit piece that you see, artifacts here, they have collected from uh, 50s until uh, 2001 from different regions of Kosovo. Uh, and uh, uh, they are very important because uh, 
they kind of link the way how the family lived here and also uh, uh, traditional life in all over all, all over Kosovo. So this is the Oda. Oda, which uh, it's uh, Arabic, even Turkish word, which means room. But Oda, still we call only guest rooms. And it's the most beautiful room in it the house. It has to be the most beautiful. It has to be the most beautiful room. In Albanian tradition is very important because uh, uh, the guest or the hospitality is one of the characters of Albanians. So everything is connected with the guest room, not with other rooms. And uh, as you know, according to Albanian tradition, house or the guest room first belong to God, second to guest, and third to the owner. So basically, uh, today you have more eyes than me in this room. As you know, our podcast is called A Coffee in the Accursed Mountains. And so I have so many happy memories sitting in uh, this museum with you and with your colleagues uh, drinking various things. So tell me, what is your your drink? Well, uh, maybe I'm one of the only people in Kosovo that I don't drink coffee. So like you. Elizabeth. Yeah, exactly. Two so of us. Same. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I drink uh, uh, Russian, <laughs> as we call Russian tea, which is Ceylon tea. Uh, I tell people, come and let's go and drink coffee. They say, you don't drink coffee. Why are you asking us to drink coffee? But it's kind of phrase that uh, basically we use. Well, mostly if you go in the villages, but even in the cities, let's say this family would serve you uh, Turkish, uh, Turkish coffee which uh, is not Turkish, um, they got from, from Yemen, uh, <laughs> and Yemen they got from Ethiopia. <laughs> so basically this is a, a kind of the, of the trip or the road how the coffee came. Am I right that this uh, cupboard is where the coffee was kept? Do, yes, do I remember so that? in every guest room there were some cupboards which uh, the head of family, because if the guests would come at midnight, there were no woman that would serve. Uh, even in... Daylight, I think one would not serve if they were foreigners. But if you were my cousin, uh, they, we would sit all together. In this room, the, the, a guest would be able to come into this room and they'd be received by uh, head the, of family. the head of the family. So head of the family would stay at the, in the center, mm-hmm. let's say. But uh, if uh, the guest was, a, let's say, a priest or hoja or imam, he would stay in the, in the best place. But if you were the guest, foreigner guest, then you would... Take that seat. Or uh, Hojaima or the oldest man. Wow. So this shows how much respect uh, we had and still we have for uh, for the our guests, foreign guests. I, I see that uh, podcasters with laptops were sitting in the very cheap, low-status seats <laughs> yes. by the side. Uh. <laughs> yeah, a bit unusual. <laughs> but uh, all the time when the guests usually they come here, as you see, Robert and Zabit, we have very good wood carving there, um, which they call uh, this closet, uh, which... Uh, in um, they're very good decorated. So basically, the guest was sit in the in this uh, I mean there, and they had no TV, but they had, they could uh, enjoy uh, their their eyes with beautiful wood carving. And the head of house then would be able to serve. He would be able to find the provisions in the cupboards, and yes. he'd serve them coffee from this glorious kind of copper. Yeah, this brazier. is called mangal. So mangal. most of these mangals uh, they were uh, made by uh, copper. And they put hot coals, so, but the first function was to heat, uh, heating in different uh, oh, houses. See. And then prepare coffee in Jezvej, which are, uh, uh, I think you bought uh, in, in the bazaar in yes. the past, yeah, <laughs> the Jezvej. So they are um, 
uh, copper, copper pot. Yeah, mm-hmm. copper pots. But they are the best because they are uh, good for fire, and then they would serve you the coffee, but also tea as well. They would this is for you. Tea. If you were visiting, yeah, they'd serve you tea. <laughs> that's why we work here, and that's why this is the one of our favorite place for me and Elizabeth. <laughs> that's why it's kind of uh, we have connection with the post, and uh, also food. So we have here one another. Uh, cupboard, which was used, I used to call and still we call kind of small mini bar uh, <laughs> for uh, some food and a drink as well, because uh, you never knew if someone would uh, come here. So had, all the time people had to be ready, not only to rich families, but even in some poor families, I've seen some old odors that old uh, this uh, cupboard for uh, for drinks, most of our coffee and also for a little bit of food, cold food, of course. So you've we've talked about the the physical space, uh, and you were mentioning also the importance of this building. What's its significance? Well, uh, um, I've been working here since two thousand six, so since it was open. So basically, museum and me myself we grew up <laughs> here. Uh, so uh, personal and professionally, uh, so uh, I think it's a pearl of the cultural heritage of Pristina, but also in Kosovo as well. Because it represents uh, a very good uh, preserve architectural, which uh, we are losing every day. Uh, let's say from 2000 to 2007, uh, according to Cultural Heritage Without Borders, 40 to 44 percent of the protected houses were destroyed, and this happened after the war, uh, not before the war. As uh, often uh, you hear people complaining, which they have right, because 150,000 houses were destroyed in the war in Kosovo, 1998-1999. But uh, there's an extra thing that uh, after the war, uh, basically our society, uh, they destroyed for different reasons. Uh, so that's why I think it's a, it's a very good place. Uh, to if, Let's say if you're a tourist, you come in Pristina and you have one hour, and the Ethnological is a place where you can get all the information. Not only uh, intangible and uh, intangible heritage, but also the history, the archaeology, uh, the geography, and uh, in one word, the culture of Kosovo. The people that come for the first time in, in, in Kosovo, they have no idea what happened here or what kind of history we have. Uh, so that's why even though we were, uh, still we are young ethnologists, uh, we had to do our own uh, narrative. So this makes a very special place because uh, uh, compared to other museums, uh, I think we somehow we brought a new approach to the to the visitors. But this was not very easy because at the beginning we had no mentoring uh, at the museum. So we were very young, uh, not experienced. Uh, we had no idea. We knew what is a museum, uh, but uh, uh, we didn't know how how to manage uh, but uh, then uh, we sat together and we set up the new, uh, as I said, the narrative. International visitor tourists, they told us that, why you don't do this, why you don't do that? And then the first thing what we do, we get together as a team, what we should do uh, to to fix this one. And the uh, thing is that we had no dedicated budget uh, for 14 years. Mm-hmm. Still, we don't have. Imagine. So we had no help from ministry. We had no guess uh, from from government. Uh, but um, I think good willing people helped us. We were in two thousand six, so it's a new millennium. I mean, new century. So we had to do something differently. Uh, but uh, 
I think this cooperation between the young ethnologists, I think, made this possible that every year we wanted something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think by doing the small projects, uh, it helped us to think also big projects as well. What doubts did you have when you started making changes at the museum? Well, uh, there were many because uh, we knew almost nothing. In theory, we knew, but not in practice, how this function. First of all, was that we were afraid if anyone would come. <laughs> then if we'll have any media. So the target was media at the beginning. So we wanted to do something good, but also uh, to uh, people to hear about us. Through the media, we could get more more support. So uh, first, there was a food, Russian food, which um, I think it was a greatest idea ever because uh, it was the way how to attract people first to eat some flia, which is typical traditional food in Kosovo, then pite with spinach or uh, uh, with um, uh, cheese. And all this, at the same time, they could see the museum and they could donate with money. I remember the time it was 250. It was, we, we, we have never had entrance at the museum. So this was only uh, to support the local um, uh, chef. Uh, that time was Shukran mm-hmm. and uh, would give little money and people could see the demonstration of Lia, how it's made. And uh, uh, it was just Lia. And then uh, we continued uh, with uh, um, photograph in resident and then um, artists in residence, which people could come. The first part they could come, they take a picture and they uh, those would turn into the postcards. And the second project with artists in resident, they could paint uh, and then in the end we had the auction, which uh, 50% of money went to artists, 50% to, to the uh, museum uh, budget. And with that budget, that we did other things. Uh, but uh, one of the things that I like the, the most is the Arts and Crafts Week, which we started 2010, then we can do 2000, 2008, sorry, 2010, 12 and 14. So fourth edition. Now each, each one better was better than the other one. So we'll gather all the local artists, artisans, handicrafts, people so who come here and they demonstrate their uh, work and the craft. And uh, in the end of the week, uh, then they would have a big fair and they could sell their, their products. But it was a good thing because usually the fairs were made in the modern buildings, not at the museum. So everything was linked with the, uh, the uh, architecture of the museum and also with the history. What was your ultimate goal in doing all of these things? Well, was to make popular this place uh, because I'm in love. Uh, <laughs> people usually say this is my second house. Usually I say the first <laughs> because I stay here more than my home or my house until I got married and it changed a bit. <laughs> but still whole day I'm here at the museum. But um, that was to make popular because especially to make popular outside of Kosovo. At the beginning, it was uh, uh, inside Kosovo, so in the different cities of Kosovo, in Pristina. Uh, unfortunately, there are still some people that don't know where is the museum, even though they live in Kosovo. From, uh, I would say, 2011, when we started to do international projects, then the museum became popular also abroad. As, uh, as you remember, the first one that we did, it was uh, the photographs. Uh, with uh, Neil Robinson, uh, the British traveler, biologist. Uh, he did uh, field work in Dechan in the west of Kosovo in 1955. Then uh, this was the first project that uh, was international. And this uh, 
basically made us think that we should do more more projects like this. One of my favorite projects is a twinning project. Uh, so it was a twinning project between our museum and Cambridge Folk Museum. Uh, it was in November 2012. Uh, so it was the first time that the museum got twinned because it was unusual and still it's unusual museum to get twinned. Usually there are schools, there are cities, there are municipalities that get twinned. But uh, this was a great idea. I don't know whose idea was, but uh, it was a great idea that we made this one. So basically it was ex exchange visits. Uh, so there were people from Cambridge Folk Museum and the two artisans that came here. Uh, what was uh, One was embroidery and then patchwork. Uh, they demonstrated a few days here in the, exactly the space that we are here now, <laughs> that we are doing the interview in the guest room in the Oda. And uh, then after one week, we got there and uh, we got also the filigranist, uh, filigree works so or silver thread. And then uh, he demonstrated in the Cambridge Folk Museum uh, its crest. So, and it was a great thing also for us to, to see the kids and the people of Cambridge, England, uh, to hear about Kosovo, uh, beautiful things, not only the war or the history or the conflicts, but also the art uh, through the filigree. To conclude all these things, uh, what we have achieved, uh, what was uh, the most successful thing for me, it was that when we were listed as trip advisor in 2012, uh, then for three years, uh, the museum became the top attraction in Kosovo. So just two weeks ago, I received the, the email from TripAdvisor that uh, even 2020, even though we didn't have so much visitor because of pandemic, uh, it's still the, the best attraction. So for the six, six years in a row, Ethnological Museum is the main attraction in Kosovo called TripAdvisor. What satisfies me the most of the museum is that uh, thousands of, of people that I gave the tour at the museum. I think this is the most important. Without this, this would not be possible. Uh, to have all these uh, uh, achievements. And what about, uh, you've mentioned a few, but what about the obstacles that you encountered? The culture or the history in the past, even now in Kosovo, is like, it's not priority. At the beginning, uh, we had no, no offices, uh, no computers, no, nothing. Still, we are facing this problem, actually. Since we are part of the National Museum of Kosovo, National Museum is part of the Ministry of Culture, so it's a, like a chain mm -hmm. um, of directors. So for one thing, we have to go to five directors. So often we would break these rules. We'll go and buy things in the local market in the bazaar, such as lights or cleaning equipment or other things. We took over all this and we started to... Uh, of course, this was a united thing. I mean, we, we got together. Uh, there are no individual success here. It, <laughs> it is a success of the whole staff. And uh, without this, we not be able uh, to put in first interpret advisor and also other, other things. I think that was uh, the key. Good combination. Alisa Valen was motor. But you cannot find like this all the time all your life. When you love the, the place, you want the best of it. Uh, so that's why uh, we like uh, not to go to different level. Uh, and different level would be uh, to cooperate with other museums uh, around the world and to exchange even the exhibit pieces or, or exhibitions. Uh, and uh, another project, since we are talking about exchanges, the, uh, we did a project with the Ethnography Museum of Istria. So we did this uh, uh, filigree exhibition. So there were different exhibit pieces from 
Kosovo or people from Kosovo that immigrated in uh, in Croatia in the 50s, 60s, uh, and they were working in the in mostly in Dubrovnik, and uh, some of our colleagues, Croatian colleagues, they collected from them the exhibit pieces of filigree, and they decided to bring in Kosovo as an exhibition. So it was a silver thread from Kosovo to Istria. And what do you think has been the impact um, on people in Kosovo? What has been achieved for Kosovo through your work? I think not only Kosovo, but also the diaspora, which are the big community of Kosovars living in, in Switzerland, Germany, almost one million in other parts of Europe. So uh, they are they are proud and also uh, they are very happy that they can come in the place where they can learn the culture of their parents or because uh, they uh, were born abroad uh, and they were 20 maybe they came for the first time here some of them and they have an idea that this place exists not only as a museum attraction but also as a place that they feel that is theirs uh, it's part of their identity part of their culture even for our stuff stuff and also for our people i think it became very emotionally a place as well it reminds uh, the story of their grandparents uh, how they lived, how, what they uh, were taught, the way of life. And there are many people that they don't have their houses like this anymore, but uh, still is one place which they can remember. Um, there's uh, a kind of collective memory, I would say, uh, of, of, of people of Kosovo. They read the books, but they could not, how to say, touch or see or feel mm-hmm. what uh, the museum has. And as, as as we know, even from from Greek mythology, museum uses inspiration, right? <laughs> They're muses, so uh, that's why uh, it's a great place uh, not only to learn, as I said, for culture and history and things, but also a very social place. Because we were since the beginning, maybe we were young, I don't know, but we were quite open to visitors here. So there were people doing even yoga in your yard, because we have quite good yard here, the good garden. And there were people coming and reading books, people uh, painting here. So it was not it was like classic museums. You go there, someone gives you a tour, or you just see by yourself, and that's it. Uh, so this place is quite interactive. Mm-hmm. And this is um, uh, the best, I think, that uh, we have achieved. So what do you think the story shows? It shows that group work... Uh, I think we can achieve a lot of things and also uh, and also not to be uh, disappointed at all. So the thing is that we need to keep working. Uh, and also passion, of course. Passion music, because uh, even the visa when they come here, what they like the most is the passion of the stuff. And I think this is the um, most um, successful uh, weapon. In 2020, uh, museum was uh, listed as a 12th museum that must visit <laughs> in Europe, according to the Guardian, and according to travelers. So this was another uh, uh, big thing uh, for us, which all the medias were covered. Most of the medias in Kosovo, but also abroad, they, they mentioned the museum, and we expected to have a boom of, uh, of the tourism. But let's see 2021. <laughs> I hope this will, will continue. Beckham is so inspiring to listen to and it's just wonderful to hear about him and the team at the museum and what they have achieved. A special place. A real oasis.
sometimes when I was working in the Kosovo government at a lunchtime, I would escape to the museum and just sit in the garden and sketch a bit or just enjoy the silence and the stillness. And it's from that museum and from that team that some of our greatest friendships in Kosovo have come. Such hospitality, the hospitality that Beckham talked about being so important to the even the physical structure of the Albanian house, uh, but also the very happy memories that we have of particular examples of hospitality. It also gives us our word of the month. From Oda, we get the word Odalisk the kind of woman that, according to the ignorant Orientalist Western mind in Ottoman times, is the woman you'd expect to meet in an odder. I think one of the uh, most moving things I've read about the museum is in its visitors book, where you can read the not only the foreigners who come there and, and are entranced by it, but more importantly, the Kosovars, particularly, as Beckham mentioned, from the diaspora, people who've been born abroad or who've lived most of their lives abroad and who come back and uh, are, are have memories revived from their childhoods or from the things that they've heard about from their grandparents and to read their comments um, about what this place means to them and their idea of being Kosovar is really powerful. Now, I think I'm going to leave you and Beckham to go and enjoy your non-coffee while I go and try to find a coffee myself. That was A Coffee in the Accursed Mountains. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate us and join us on Facebook and on Twitter. Falim Indirik.